broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College. We are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, this is our season three kickoff episode for Closing the Gap. I'd like to welcome our first guest for this season, Missy Smith, Associate Athletic Director at Oregon Episcopal School. Hi, Missy. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. Thank you, Casey. Uh, so over the summer, I had the opportunity to see you speak at a local women in business luncheon. Um, you were talking about your experiences growing up in sports and building a career. Um, after going to college and and playing several sports. Your experiences along the way kind of reminded me a lot of the experiences that um, I've had the opportunity to hear about um, from women who are working in STEM and skilled trades. Um, But before we get to that, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do as an athletic director? Absolutely. So um, I'm an Oregonian, born and raised, Uh, left just briefly for a year in college, but uh, came back and uh, have been here ever since. Uh, Forest Grove uh, was born, raised out there in the country, started playing sports at a really young age, and uh, really fell in love with it and kind of found myself in this position of in the athletic world and, uh, you know, have loved every bit of it. Can you give us a little bit of insight of to how you got interested in sports in the first place? Like, how did you even get started on this journey? So it's kind of funny. Um, my mom was a single mom. I was just a tiny little baby. And uh, she uh, in, she met my dad, who ended up adopting me. Um, great guy, was totally a sports fanatic. And so as I was growing up, there were sports around me all the time. And I absolutely fell in love with it. There wasn't a sport that I found that I didn't like. We would watch football on, you know, Sundays. We'd watch pro football. I'd be like, oh, was that a hold? He was like, yeah, that was a hole. And, you know, we, I just really grew from there. Uh, it didn't matter what sport. I didn't really worry about what gender those sports were, were supposed to be. I mean, um, you know, there's a long story about me playing football at recess and coming home all fired up that I was going to go be on the football powder, you know, the, the team with all the boys tackle football. And my dad said, oh, no, you are not going to do that. That's for boys, not girls. And, uh, you know, at that point, I didn't really have the control that I have now. I'm sure now I'd probably be out there trying to play it. But uh, back then, my dad said no way, but he just, you know, redirected me into uh, other sports. We, you know, started playing basketball. But again, that was all boys, but it wasn't as rough. So, you know, he allowed it. But uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, anything that came along, I wanted to give it a try. And I was really, really found my passion there. So what other sports did you play growing up? Um, I think I remember you saying something about softball at the luncheon. Yes, I played um, travel softball where we traveled all the hot and dusty places throughout the summer. And, and you know, ASA at the time was what it was called. And, you know, played high school uh, softball. I did a little track and field um, but and a little soccer until I, I broke a finger right before basketball season. And since that was my real love, I decided to give up the soccer after my freshman year, but then really, really dove into basketball and, and, you know, it, it helped me find my way for sure. 
So what was the moment you went from playing sports in college to wanting to coach college sports? You know, I always wanted to be a coach. I mean, when I was little, um, I have two younger brothers and they're quite a bit younger, uh, like six and eight years younger. And uh, every weekend my mom worked and my dad would, you know, be home. But in the summer he traveled a lot because he was a force ranger. So he was out fighting force fires. And so I was with my brothers a ton. So I started coaching them. Um, we would go to the park and first we'd do football. I'd be the quarterback. One could be the defensive back and one could be the wide receiver. And then, you know, we switched to baseball and I'd be the catcher and they'd practice pitching and hitting. So I was always coaching, even when I was, you know, 13 years old, um, so it was just something that I really just found to be something that really fulfilled me. So I knew I was going to coach and I actually, um, my best friend's dad was an athletic director growing up. And I said, wow, he just gets to go watch sports and make money. I'm going to be that not knowing all of the pieces that it entailed, but I had a blast like being at every game. Cause he would drag us as, you know, teenagers or before high school, we had to go watch all the high school games. And I was like, this is so cool. So, you know, I, th I think that's where it really all started. Right on. I realized after I asked you that question that I kind of skipped a step. Um, it didn't ask you about your experience going from like high school to college um, with, with like, playing sports and how, and how all of that had kind of transpired. So, yeah. So, you know, I really knew I was going to, I wanted to play basketball in college. There was no doubt. And I started going on um, trips. So I was getting a chance to go get recruited and no one from Forest Grove at that point had been recruited as a female to a division one school. So I was really excited and it was the spring of my junior year and, uh, I was going to miss a couple softball practices to go. And all my friends played on the softball team. And, you know, I was like, Hey guys, I'm not going to miss any games, but I'm going to miss two practices. I got to let coach know. Cause that's what you do. You communicate, you, you let them know in advance. And uh, when I went to tell him, he didn't quite take it. Like I thought he would, I thought he'd be excited, but instead he, uh, he was like, well, you're not gonna be able to play two sports in college anyway. So you might as well just turn in your uniform. If you're going to go miss these two days of practice and there's going to be more visits and you're going to miss more. So, so I just happened to have my, my uniform in my bag. So I reached in and I handed it to him and uh, I was pretty upset. I was pretty fired up. That's when I ended up going out for track, but he said that always stuck with me. You're never going to play two sports in college. So give it up now. So you fast forward to me going to Oregon State. Um, I started at Gonzaga, had a crazy coach there, actually got hit. You know, the last straw was I got hit in the head with a high heel shoe at halftime of a game. She pulled off her foot. And so what happens is I, I decide that's it. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere where I can be happy and still play because it was starting to take the kind of the passion out of it. And uh, end up at Oregon State, super excited. I'm coming back home. My family's going to be able to watch. But this little voice in my head kept saying, you can't play two sports. So I knocked on the door of the softball coach and I said, hey, can I get a tryout? I think I think I can play. I haven't played for a couple of years, but I, I can play. She's like, well, sure, I'll give you a tryout. And um, the rest was history. And uh, I ended up playing both basketball and softball at Oregon State. Um, it was, like I said, the time of my life, I was traveling all back and forth to California, as you know, in the PAC 10 at that time was mostly California schools and a couple Washington and us. So, uh, again, that experience didn't stop me. I think it motivated me to keep pounding away. 
Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of what made me who I am. I haven't been one to like, oh, this happened to me. I'll just give up. I've, I've kind of been a fighter since I was young as far as, you know, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do and what I want to do. So I think that's kind of molded me to take this job as an athletic director. I mean, I mean, I think that's really brought me there. Gosh, what a wild experience it sounds like to be hit with a with a shoe by your by your coach. It doesn't it doesn't sound like something that normally happens. Is that is that true? Is that like just kind of like a unique experience or um you know? Is that I, I think, so- yeah, Casey, I think things have changed a lot. I mean, back then, I mean, I even called my parents, and you know, if a kid called their parents, you know, nowadays and said that happened, you can only imagine probably what would go down. But, you know, my parents are like, you're on a full ride scholarship. You need to suck it up or find another one because that's how you're paying for college. So, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was the late, late 80s. Things were different. No one really paid attention that much to female sports. And we didn't have a lot of scholarships out there. So to have one, I think, was pretty phenomenal at the time. So, you know what, you want to throw a fit and get out of here, go ahead, we'll find somebody else. So, you know, I think there was some of that where you got to suck it up a little bit, kind of how it is in life and in, you know, some of these male dominated places. So, you know, I think I grew a lot from all those experiences. Um, It sounds like the sports industry is much like STEM and the skill trades in the way where um, it's very male dominated. Uh, For example, about like 25% of the STEM workforce, about like 9%. Uh, the skilled trades workforce are made up of women and gender minorities. Uh, can you talk to us about your in a field where women are so few and far between? Yeah, uh, it's pretty similar numbers, honestly. So I uh, actually looked up this stat um, just the other day, and the number of female athletic directors in the country that that are high school athletic directors is twenty one point eight percent. So. Yeah, you can imagine those numbers are not a lot different from that, from, from the STEM industry for sure. Um, you know what, I think, you know, what, what's been important to me being in this male dominated place is, is not being afraid to pull up a seat and have conversations with people. And, and it's hard and I, I get it. I think my personality helps me a lot. Um, I think that, you know, part of it is I have to just be better than them and, talk a big game and, and know that I can back it up. Um, but I have a lot of guy friends in the, in, in, I had to, I, I'm either going to have friends or not. Right. If it's male dominated and, and I've chosen to be that person where the guys are like, Oh yeah, let's go play golf or, Hey, let's go hang out. Let's go grab a beer. Let's go do something. And I think that that has been to my benefit as being a person that's outgoing that can make friends easily. And, you know, isn't afraid to pull up a seat and start talking to the, to some of these, these male counterparts. Yeah. Cause it, there are very few and far between females in this state. And when you see them, you're like, oh, another one of us, you, I mean, it's almost kind of funny, but not <laughs> that we sort of have this little bond right away just because of who we are. Is it a, an issue of there's not many women going out for this type of job or is it that, um, maybe not a lot of women are getting like the opportunity. You know, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you will see this, this, you know, if a school has football, they think, Ooh, can a woman lead this program Would they have football? Cause you know, I think that's one of it. One of the reasons why you might not see, but I also think, 
as sad as it is that a lot of women are seeing how many hours, because, you know, it's a job where you come in at eight and you leave at nine or 10. If you had games that evening, um, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of logistics. There's a lot of pieces. Um, there's a lot of moving parts you have to manage. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's less, there's less women just interested in the field, but that's something I hope to change to show people like, God, this is a great profession. I love it. I love what I do. I love, but they've got to be seen, right? We've got to be out there and be seen so that other younger women want to do it. I mean, I, I saw a huge, huge influx this year when I went to the ADs conference, uh, there was at least 10 new female ADs. Now I know that 10 is, 10 is a lot. Cause I, if you walk in a room at the ADs conference four years ago, there's 450 men in that room and you can pick out the three or four or five. So, you know, 10 addition, I think is a really big number and it's exciting and they're younger and lots of energy and lots of, you know, fire. I, I feel good about, you know, the growth, even though it's not as fast as I'd like to see, but I'm still at least seeing growth. Were you able to make any connections with those younger ADs? Yeah, we actually, um, I'm on the board for the OADAs, the Oregon Athletic Director Association. So I get to help in some of the planning of this event now. And uh, we did have a new AD social. And, you know, we all got together and we were chit-chatting and having a great time and, you know, having a drink and having pictures together. And, you know, you almost made that instant connection because you kind of found your people. And so, um, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, some of them, we all got each other's number. We started a group text where we can, you know, throw ideas and things out and, and try to get together. And then um, I'm also part of the DEI committee in Oregon. And uh, a lot of those women were like, I want to be on it. I want to be on it. I want to be on it because it's another place to come together. So I, I think that, um, you know, it's been nice to make those connections for sure. Did you ever feel like, not being able to see a whole lot of other women in your position as you're like coming up in your career, uh, was that ever a struggle for you or like, did it ever like, I don't know. Did it, did it make you feel like that this is where you should be or, or? Well, I think there was probably one of those moments where I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? It was actually at the first athletic director conference that I attended. I was brand new female AD and I walked into this room and literally it was a sea of probably 400 male dominated, you know, old white guys. It really was. And I walked in and I was like, okay, here we go. But I'm a people person. I'll be fine. And I sat down at the first table and, you know, everybody said hello. And then they were like, um, you're supposed to go sit with your league. Well, I didn't, I was a new idea. I didn't even know all the people in my league. I talked to them on the phone. You know, I didn't have that connection. So it was that awkward moment where I did pull up the chair and then I was asked to leave. And, you know, and I, I don't fault those guys. I mean, I don't think they did it in that intention, but uh, have that intention to make me feel that way, but it's better. Like we're really talking about it at the state level. We're trying to make a change, but I think that was the one time where I was like, Oh my goodness, what am I doing? But, but since then, I, I think I've really tried to push for change to, to make these groups that are pretty male dominated, think outside the box, think how they would feel, how would their daughters feel, how do we do a better job? You know, what are opportunities at the ADs conference to have female speakers or to have female um, MCs or, you know, it's a 50th year, you know, it's the celebration of Title IX and 
you know, we had a hall of fame and there wasn't one woman inducted and there wasn't an MC and there like, so to go back and say, Hey, how do we do this? Right? Like, how can we do it better? So, um, you know, I think it's just has to, you got to have a voice, but I mean, I, I like working with the guys. I'm fine with it. But when you do find those women who you really connect with, I think it is just different and it's pretty special. For sure. Did you have any like female coach mentors along the way um, that you were able to like build a connection with or like they're able to help you network and create a support system? Yeah, it, it's funny. So I got my first coaching job one year out of college coaching out of college. So I'm like a year older and probably the same age as some of the players if they had redshirted. And I was at Lewis and Clark College. And one of my first meetings that I went to as the softball coach, um, I was at a meeting and you know those times when you meet somebody and you're like, These are, this is just somebody who I'm gonna just be great friends with. There's some connection there where you just feel good about them. And that person was uh, Robin Hamilton, who was like a legend in coaching softball on the Northwest uh, she coached at the University of Puget Sound. And I would say from probably that time on, we probably talked on the phone six days a week on the way to work. So I had about a 30 minute commute from the east side of Portland to where I am. And uh, we would talk every day. And she would give me like inspirational quotes or I'd say, hey, I got to deal with this coach today. You know, blah, blah, blah. How do I do it? Cause she had done it so many times and had been in the field of, and then she ended up, she was the associate athletic director up there also. So it just gave me somebody who could really trust that really built me up um, that would introduce me to, to new ideas, new ways, new books, new ways of thinking. And so that really, I think helped mold me into um, I think really like the successful athletic director that I've been, but I didn't play for a lot of female coaches growing up. Um, all of my coaches in high school were male college other than the one that threw the shoe at me were male until Oregon state hockey Hill was a rock star. I mean, that was amazing to play for her. She was demanding, but fair and just, you know, an amazing human being. So um, I've stayed in great connection with Aki. She's, you know, in her eighties now and drives to Portland and trains my daughter. And I get to spend a lot of time with her. We get to talk about coaching philosophies and how, how they're doing. And, you know, she looks over my basketball coaches and she says, they need to get better at this or they need to do this. And those are notes that I can take and then take that to them and, and help them try to be better too. For sure. It, it sounds like um, building community is like super important to building a career as well. Like there's, there, it seems like a good connection between, you know, being, being good at supporting like the people that you're coaching and then also um, keeping connection with people that came before you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so even as hard as I try to hire female coaches to coach my female or male teams, I don't care. It is so hard. The applicants aren't out there either. So I'm beating the bushes and I'm calling everybody I know to say, who's coaching, who could coach volleyball. I need a, I need a coach. And, you know, as much as I try, I, I can't find the females that are out there looking for it. And, I'll, and I'm one that's all for it. So a lot of the people I work with are males coaching females. And I spend a lot of time. I mean, these are people who are texting me at 10 o'clock at night saying something because we have built those relationships. You know, they're, you know, okay, I'm going to take all the boys and girls coaches out for a burger and beer after the game. Because why? Because again, it's about the boys and the girls team feeling like one program. 
to me, that's where they're going to find success when they support each other and we build those communities. So, you know, as much as I would love, you know, to have all my female teams coached by women, I can't find the women out there that want to do it. So I just keep trying to hope and inspire that next generation to, to find a way to get involved. So what kind of studies does someone have to go through or like specialize in to, to be um, a coach? Because I mean, it sounds like there's quite a demand. And I mean, we're kind of talking to some young people that are trying to figure out what the next steps of their life are. That's pretty funny. So there is not one thing you need to do except for be a good person and be able to work well with others. Honestly, the coaching piece, I mean, having some knowledge in the sport is important, but so much more of it is relationships. I mean, I can take somebody who maybe played in JV volleyball in high school, but they really are passionate about learning and growing and getting better and becoming, and, and they really care about kids and people. I can take that person and I can make them an amazing coach. So it's not a lot a background to be a coach, um, but it, the better you become, the more you're reading books, connecting, making, you know, connections, watching film, just digging in and really wanting to be there for kids. I mean, that's what we're looking for all the time. So there's not a lot. I mean, if somebody does have a, you know, a degree and, you know, I, I got my degree in exercise sports science. I thought I was going to physical therapy school. And then all of a sudden I was in physical therapy school and this job opened up coaching and it was probably paying $30,000 a year. And I was like, I'm going to be rich. And, you know, <laughs> in the early nineties, I'm coaching. I'm not going to school and paying more money. I'm coaching. Well, this is, I mean, this is the path I, I chose. And I don't know how happy I would have been, you know, stretching out people and getting them better. That's a great job. And, you know, it's for the right people. I don't think I could have sat still that much, you know, even though you're moving, I'm out and about, I can walk across campus. I can check on tennis. I can go down and, you know, Oh, you forgot your uniform. Let me go get you one Casey. Okay. And I'm sitting with coaches who are pulling their hair out because they can't win. And I'm like, okay, but it is, I don't care if you're winning Are your kids enjoying it. So I get to be in a really moving, a, a job that has a lot of moving parts which I, I love. It's a lot of multitasking, a lot of logistics. That's awesome. Um, you know, what I took away from that was something that I, I feel like I've been hearing a lot lately when I talk to um, people that are just like out there and usually people that are hiring the area of study or like your grades is like such a small percentage of like what it takes to actually like pursue your dreams. that it's like, as long as you just like want it and you like go out there and you talk to people that like, you know, you can make the connections with to get you there. Like that's, that's half the battle. Networking is probably the number one goal. I would tell anybody that's looking for jobs or college graduates or good into college networking, networking. I connect so many, I'm like a connector. I don't know. There's something about me that's like, you want to do that? I know this person. I'm going to get you together. Like that is one thing that really gets me excited. And um, I really think that the networking piece, not one of my jobs I've ever applied for, have they asked for my GPA? Not one of the jobs that I've ever asked for. I think there's been, I think, public school coaching they needed. And I think here they want to see my transcripts that I actually, a degree that I graduated, but no, no one cares about your grades or what classes you took. Oh, you graduated from there. Great. 
So, you know, again, I think you could go get a degree and probably psychology would be amazing for coaching, right? Because you're working with people and kids and kids that need help, especially nowadays with all the mental health stuff that's going on. So, uh, you know, my daughter's getting ready to figure out what she's going to do next. And, and again, I tell her, you just keep connecting, just keep connecting with everything you're doing as you're getting ready to look for going into college, just keep making connections. It will never hurt you. <laughs> for sure. But I mean, since we're talking about education, um, I know you got a bachelor's and, and two masters, um, but what are some of the other things that you've done in your career so far that you're really proud of? Well, probably the biggest thing that I'm proud of, other than being a mom, of course, is, uh, you know, professionally, um, a few years back when I first became an athletic director, we were at a, at a, one of the conferences and I got tapped on the shoulder and somebody said, hey, right now during the social, and I want to say during the men's social, we're having a women's roundtable meeting. And so like the seven female athletic directors from the state are all in this little conference room. And I'm like, what are we doing? And it, it, the energy was pretty low because those women had been doing the job for a long time, not to fault them, but they had just been working so hard for, you know, for equal everything. And I said, oh, we should do a leadership summit for girls, something intentional. And they all looked at me like I was crazy, even though they thought it was a good idea. And um, after that event is when the Oregon Girls Sports Leadership Summit was founded by me. Um, we held the first one with 250 girls from across the state of Oregon coming in. I got it 100% paid for. So kids could show up. They were getting backpacks and water bottles and T-shirts, and they thought they were rock stars of the world. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. And then we spent the day working on intentional leadership. Um, so that's one of the things now it's been in its sixth year. We had to take a little hiatus because of COVID as everything shut down, but we went back to it this year. And I'll tell you what, that is the moment where I'm at the podium looking in there at 450 girls this year saying, I did this, this is my vision. And how can I make this even bigger and, and, you know, batter and just amazing for these girls. So um really excited about that. I'd say that's what I'm most proud of is founding that. That's awesome. I mean, it, seeing the growth, that's got to be super rewarding. I, and I'd really love to actually hear more about that. What goes on at one of these summits? Like where are maybe some of like the, the projects or the activities that you are leading? Yeah, you bet. So we, we want to make it something that's really tangible to take home because you can listen to speakers and you can get inspired and you can just leave there feeling great about yourself. And that's one thing we do. But the other part is some intentional pieces you can take away to really make sure you're kind of building yourself up to be the leader you want to be. So, um, for instance, we'll do maybe an activity on um, what type of leader you are. And we talk about lead by example or I'm... I'm a lead by example person, or I'm a vocal leader. I'm going to get in somebody and start yelling and I can get fired up and I can cheer and I can do these things or I, Hey, I just work my tail off and everybody sees that and they want to do that. So we, we say, you know, and whoever you are right now is a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old, maybe not who you are in another six months, eight months, because we're ever evolving. And so we say, maybe you're more of a lead by example now, but how do you get there? And we talk about the tools and we give them concrete things to help them try to really build into who they are as leaderships. Now, those small breakout rooms are 
less 20 or less. So when we have, let's say 450 girls here, you can imagine how many volunteers it takes. Uh, we do a volunteer training so that everybody's doing the same activity, but in a scaled down version. So it's meaningful. So voices can be heard. Kids can speak up. And a lot of our high school kids lead those breakout sessions. So we, funny story, we were, a soccer coach called me. He brought his team. He's like, can males come? I go, please, we need our allies. We need people who think this is important in, in the male world. And he said, uh, he called me and he goes, I had to call you to thank you. I didn't want to send you a note. Um, he goes, it was so amazing. He goes, I was sitting in this breakout room and I was like, oh man, no one showed up to lead it. And that at exactly the minute that that was supposed to start, this high school kid from OES jumped up, led a 45 minute breakout session. And he goes, it blew me away. I can't believe that that little girl got up and just nailed it. So again, the intentional leadership, how do we put girls in these positions? So that's part of our day. Another one that we've done is, um, uh, you know, what are your, um, what are your core values? And we do a little sweet 16 bracket where you put your, you bring in what your core values, sorry, are, and you pair them down and you put them against each other and you get your final four. And, and then we come back together in a big group. And I said, who has hard work stand up as one of your core values? And the whole room practically stands up. And I'm like, there is something you could rally your whole team around hard work, dedication, you know, and so we talk about how these values can come together and, and really help out. So some really intentional, uh, this last year, Anisha Curry, the assistant coach from the Portland Trailblazers, one of the few uh, female assistant NBA coaches was in the house. She came and she kicked the day off talking about her journey and what it's been like. And gosh, kids were so excited. But again, it's see me, be me, right? So here's Anisha Curry working on the sideline of the Portland Trailblazers. You know, then my kid turns on the game the other night and Anisha's on the bench. She's like, mom, she was at the conference. She spoke. I'm like, yep. And so I think, you know, it's, a, it's part of, we inspire we give them chances to network and connect, and then we give them some tools to take away. So, so, you know, that's kind of what the day looks like. And then we just keep crafting it every year with the same format, with the different activities and different speakers. And uh, we really just try to make it a day where kids leave here feeling really good about, you know, where they're headed. Totally. It sounds like they're learning some good skills to just take into the world with them. You know, or like at least the confidence to be able to be like, oh yeah, like I can actually like speak up and use my voice. How sure. do you think that something like the leadership summit could be used to spread the word about women in careers and STEM and skilled trades? So this is so funny because I've a friend of mine who uh, is a a big wig at Amazon and now Oracle told me about this. She was like, hey, how do we? take your leadership and not call it sports leadership and just call it leadership. And then how do we get these kids in tech or STEM to come together and then show them what's available? And I'm like, well, you, you guys have all the money. You, you give me the money and I'll make it happen. I was joking, but I said, <laughs> you know, there's gotta be ways that we, cause the leadership that I'm doing, I call it sports leadership because that's what I am. And that's what I'm passionate about. It's no different leadership than, any other leadership, right? But that's just right. kind of the, the the highway that I use to make it happen. So, um, you know, I think that there's ways that we could bring those two, the leadership and the STEM together to where we're, we have people, you know, who are leading from places of power and STEM, you know, big corporate people, people who are leading research, people that are leading technology and kids come in and they're like, those are options for me? 
oh, I love to do that. That's an option for me because the more we can get those people, those women, those strong women in front of young women telling their stories, I think it really inspires. So I think that there's a huge need and a huge opportunity. I just haven't quite figured out the details of how we do that, but I really think it could be done and it could be really positive. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, I mean, the need is outstanding, it seems. Um, it, I feel like younger and younger, uh, the more we can get STEM into like young women in gender minorities' hands uh, is mm-hmm. the better because they start falling off with the idea that they could be that someday in their career uh, very young, like in elementary school. And that hardly gives themselves a chance to pursue something that they might find really meaningful and rewarding. Right. And it takes maybe that one person that gets up and tells their story. And then, you know, two or three young women from the audience are are like, oh my gosh, I want to be here. I want to be, I want to do that. And they can network and they can email and they can all of a sudden start finding their way for sure. Totally. So what is some advice you could give to young women and, and gender minorities out there that are looking to pursue their passions? I mean, the biggest thing is you, you got to stay the, the course, no matter how hard or how easy it is, you've got to stay the course. And then you've got to build relationships and you got to find allies, people that, you know, you can connect with. And then you also have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and make those connections and find those allies with, with the men that are dominating these jobs, because I mean, I know for a fact, I mean, I've had other women say before to me, oh, you, well, you get along great with them because you're one of the good old boys. And I'm like, I mean, wow, okay. I'm like, I'm one of the good old boys. That's not how I see myself. I see myself as I've made really good friends and connections. So it's not that I, you know, up there, yeah, okay, great. Tell a bad joke. And no, oh, that's inappropriate. That's cool. Ha ha. No, that's not me. Like, that's what I think about when I kind of the good old boys. I more think about like, how do I insert myself right into that group? And how do I get them to start seeing things different? Because, you know, I think that's part of it is, is being right in there. Cause that's what I do now on the, the boards that I'm on. I, I say, but wait, couldn't we do this? Or, Hey, where do we insert the women? Or, Hey, look at the name of all of our state awards. They're all male. Isn't it time that we now have the, you know, the Cindy Simmons, the first, like powerful AD, women AD award somewhere on this list. Oh, that's a great, like a lot of times it's just giving, you know, giving ideas and and pushing it. So I think making sure like you pull up a chair at the table and you kind of insert yourself. And I think that you do it in a way where you're building relationships that you're not trying to be the person, ah, you guys don't do this. Oh, Cause I, I mean, that's not how I could have operated like that since the woman hit me with a high heel, but I chose to just redirect and, and, and find the path for me. Doesn't mean I left it. I didn't let her take my joy out of basketball. Just like we can't let the joy be taken out of our passions and our whatever career paths we, we want to dive into. We've got to find ways that make us happy doing it. And a lot of it is, like I said, building those relationships and finding those people that make us feel good about what we're doing. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think that a good um, 
a person that's happy with their job is also happy with the people that they surround themselves with at work. Well, you know, that's kind of, that's everything um, today that I have for you. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and being a leader and talking about leadership and everything you do. Oh, I loved it. I appreciate you having me. And, you know, like I said, if anyone wants to reach out or get a hold of me, feel free, you know, email me smithm at oes.edu. And like I said, if they have some ideas to help with the leadership summit or want to get involved, that's another great way also. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at midvalleystem.org. Until next time, keep progressing.